welcome to episode 195 of the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. My name is Mel Erbacher. I am co-host of this little unofficial podcast all about parkrun adventuring. And joining me this week for, I think it might be your third or fourth time out, is the wonderful Mark Scarborough. Mark, welcome back to the pod. Thanks for having me, Mel. It's, uh, it's good to be back in the, um, the podcasting chair. Are you keeping track of the numbers? Uh, I don't actually have a Parkrun Adventures podcast spreadsheet running, but I think you might be right. I think this might be uh, yeah the third time behind the mic. It might be time for a spreadsheet. You can never have too many spreadsheets. I think we've established that before. Yeah, I look. I I love lists and I love spreadsheets. Me too. They're especially helpful when you're trying to figure out adventures and and checking off milestones and challenges, etc. When you're chuffing off about the place. Personally, I have not had need for a spreadsheet in the past week. Uh, sadly, in solidarity with the rest of the world that is suffering with coronavirus, or, or I shouldn't say the rest of the world, for those people in the rest of the world that are actually suffering with coronavirus, my house has been struck down with a similar, not that virus, but a similar, similarly nasty bout of something germy and logical and not fun in any way, shape or form. So we didn't make it to Park Run Day. But I'm not going to dwell on that for now. I'm going to jump straight to you, Mark, and ask you where you are so that you can carry the podcast this week with whatever fun and frivolity you had on the weekend. Well, on the weekend, we went back to our old home park run at uh, Gungarlan, which was kind of nice to go back to um, our old home park run. Um, We hadn't been there back there since uh, October in the running capacity. We volunteered uh, on Christmas Day. Um, But yeah, it was good to get out there and run the lap of uh, Yerby Pond again. And how was that, getting around Yerby Pond? That was good because, you know, like I think that... um, you know, it's it's good to kind of go back to to a, you know a familiar park run and see familiar faces again. Um, I think one of the big shocks was uh, to the system was just how many people are at Gungarland. Like it was just a reminder of just how big the, the crowd is there and uh, and how small our our Wagyu Ridge um, you know park run communities at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was good to be back. And um, I, um, I I ran with my son James and actually paced him to a Gungarland uh, park run PB. Which was um, which was good. He's actually got a, a slightly faster time at Wagyu Bridge, which is interesting because Wagyu Bridge is a little bit more um, undulating uh, compared to a very flat Gungarland. Um, but yeah, so that was um, that was a nice little achievement for for him. Well done, James. Though I, it, I have to say, it always confuses me when people are surprised that they run faster over an undulating or a hilly course than they do a flat one. Because, I mean, yeah, you get to go much faster down hills. The, the going up might be a little bit slower than if you were on the flat potentially, but the fast more than wakes up for it in my experience. On the flat, like, I, just, I just don't have the motor in my legs for them to just keep turning over. I need the downhill. I need the inertia of gravity <laughs> to make me move any faster. Yeah, look, I think that's one of the advantages of Wagyu Bridge is that it is – a challenging course but you know you do you can make up that that time definitely on the downhills and uh build up some strength in your legs on the uh the uphills and i've, I've been quite surprised with my times there when when i've when i've yeah, pushed myself so and now i'm jumping all over the place but i, I want to bring it back to running with james so you paced him to a pb was that something intentional that you had kind of talked about doing going out when you run with your kids do you do you have a game plan before you start or do you just sort of play it by ear or play it by leg, as it were? Yeah, no, I think I think it is a bit more um, see how it is on the day. Um, sometimes I'll talk to him and see and ask him if he's feeling fast that day. Um, but it's, it's also about listening to him during the run as well. Um, so rather than actually just pushing him, if he wants to have a stop and walk, then we stop and walk. Um, that's okay. And if it doesn't happen that day, it doesn't happen that day. The last time we ran at Gungal and we, we came close to, to running the sub 30, which is what we were aiming for, and he had a little bit of a fall towards the start. And, um, you know, we stopped and had a bit of a hug and cried it out and kept going. And we still actually end up with a PB that, that day, but didn't get the sub 30. And uh, last week, I just was kind of w- watching my watch and thought, oh, we could we could do this. And I didn't say anything to him, but um, 
you know, it was only afterwards I pointed out to him that it was going to be a PB for him. But um, yeah, look, it's it's for us. It's it's you know, we're not going out there to put get a PB every every week. It's just about you know getting out there and, and having a run and enjoying it and you know enjoying that one on one time in a way. You know, um, just yeah, cruising around a course. I love that expression you used, feeling fast. You ask him if he's feeling fast. Do you remember the last time you felt fast before a park run? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I think that sometimes, you know, you, you, in your mind, you, you, you some days you feel you might be fast, but uh, yeah, you've got to also see how it is on the day. I love it. I'm I'm going to use that. I'm going to I'm going to start asking my boys every week. Are you feeling fast? Should we go fast today and see whether or not that kind of positivity and motivation actually cascades down into my own subconscious and maybe I could start picking up the pace a little bit. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit more about your parkrun experience. How how old is James? And I know you run on occasion with Elise as well. Yeah, so James is um, seven and, um, you know, he's been, well, both the kids have been and, and my wife have been coming to parkrun more regularly over the last um, 12 months. It's been pretty much myself um, in the previous years to that. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, uh, for me, it's been nice having the family come out, you know, like when you, you, you're out and about and you see other families out and, and that, uh, connection and in, interaction it's you know it's a very positive thing um but it's, it has been a challenge getting everybody out of bed early on a saturday morning after you know long weeks at school and work and things like that um but certainly i think the last year the, the bug has started to settle in uh with the family and um it's been good so it's it's worked out nicely that uh elise runs with nicole um every week and then and james is running with me and uh he's you know he's at a, at a reasonable pace, you know that um, you know he can he can keep up with me, and um, I'm not pushing myself, and I'm not pushing him too hard. And, and Nicole and Elise are quite evenly matched as well with their pace, uh, so it's it's worked out um, quite quite nicely for all of us, really. Um, and it's it's been yeah, you know, it's, it's good. It's 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 a nice commonality within the family, and something we can we can talk about, encourage each other in, and you know, we we look at the the, the part different park run challenges and, and talk about uh, what we want to you know, look for and achieve there. So we've we've ticked off the um, the BGs club um, recently for them and, uh, you know, kind of looking at the alphabet club as well, things like that. So I think that that's a good thing for the kids, the, the gamification that, that um, the Park Run Challenges um, brings into it. It's one of those things that you forget about, I think, we especially once you've been doing parkrun for such a long time and you tell your friends about it and you say oh yeah you know it's for everyone it doesn't matter your age you know parents come with their kids three generations of a single family take part and all that sort of thing you take it for granted that there really isn't opportunity in other physical activities you know team sports and things like that for you to play on the same team as your kid you know you're both participating in the same event you're both being timed by the same timekeeper. Yeah, you've got your own age categories or whatever that you get filed into. But if you don't look at them, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter to anyone. Do you treat it at all as as an opportunity to check in? Like do you spend a lot of the time talking about just life things in general or do you just mostly focus on what you're doing right now and things like breathing and pace and all that sort of thing? Yeah, look, I think um, James and I, it is just the run, but I think um, both of us enjoy that. Like it's that time spent together um, with no no distractions. Um, so whilst, you know, we're not having necessarily deep and meaningful conversations, I think that that one-on-one time, I know it means a lot to me, um, you know, and he's a bit of a quiet, you know, chilled out kind of a kid, Um yeah, so I think I think he enjoys that, and I think that like I say it's just that one-on-one, that exclusive one-on-one time in a way um, that means a lot to to both of them with the respective parent, um, and then just the you know the conversation that comes afterwards about how was your run and how did you find it, and talking about the achievement. Um, you know, Elise has kind of come back from a, an injury um, that she had about a year ago, and so she's kind of having to build back up to, to running the full distance. And so, you know, talking to her about that and how she's kind of pushing herself through that, um, it's been quite pleasing. Um, but yeah, it's, it, for me, like I say, it is just that that quiet one-on-one time that, that, um, that I'm certainly enjoying. And I, I think that these are the things where kids uh, get memories from as well. Um, and like I say that, there's not many opportunities where you, you do get to have that uh, physical kind of um, sport or activity 
in that sense. And you know, like last year we you know we had a playing AFL like with Auskick. You know, we had a parents versus kids session with that, and the kids absolutely love it. The, you know, there's something about that. The I don't know maybe sort of the, a bit of a quality on that on that field that the kids absolutely thoroughly enjoy, and they talk about forever. And we're lucky at Parkrun; we get to do it every week. Yep. I'm looking forward to seeing my boys as they progress through their parkrun journeys. They will absolutely be getting a barcode the week of their fourth birthday. I can guarantee you that. However, they will start participating on their own legs and to whatever distance they feel comfortable doing as and when they feel comfortable doing that or want to do it. No pushing is going to be happening from here. But Yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite interested to see what happens with this next generation and parkrun. Um, you know, that the kids that um, have grown up with it and – do they, st- they do they stick around and stay around with it? You know, do they talk about how their parents, you know, were part of, you know, setting up the this this park run and things like that? Like it's just it, it'll be very interesting to see, yeah, what happens over the next generation. I reckon. Yeah, I I would agree with that, especially with teenagers who at certain events you you're lucky to see a teenager. However, the ones that are coming through now that have been born into it. <laughs> and they've been participating since they were in prams and things like that, it, it will be interesting to see whether or not, you know, they're already up to their 500 T-shirt and they just keep heading on towards 1,000 by the time they get to their their early 20s. Yeah, well, that's right. Like um, Elise, she just hit her 50 milestone just a couple of weeks ago and uh, in four weeks uh, – James will hit his uh, his fifty as well, and uh, I think it's quite good to see these yeah these young kids hitting uh, these significant milestones. Cause I think that's that's another inspiration as well for other other park runners out there as well to uh, to see that. But it will be interesting to see yeah where, where these kids end up with um, their milestones in, in a couple of years to come. Speaking of milestones and and seeing a new generation come through. It's a very exciting time for Parkrun in the world with the launch of a new country coming up this weekend. And I had both the fortune and the privilege to speak to somebody who knows a little bit about it. Let's have a listen to the interview now. We have got a very special guest this week who is joining us all the way from Sweden. Those on the adventure spectrum know that a new country is launching on the 29th of February, launching in style with lots and lots of events. And here to tell us all about it is the Territory Manager for Europe, Derry Thomas. Derry, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. Thanks a lot. Good morning or good afternoon, Mel. Hi. (laughs) Very excited about the Netherlands coming on board. Do you want to just dive in and tell us how it all happened, Derry? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we... um... I started in my post in sort of like the late spring of last year. And um, at that point, I've been looking after the, well, looking after Sweden and the Nordic countries. But as part of my um, my new expanded role, uh, we, we started looking at where else in Europe that we might want to um, to, to expand into, into next, really. So um, part of that process was to go back and look at all the expressions of interest that Parkrun had received over the previous three or four years. And it was massive. We had, I think we had nearly 500 requests from around Europe, from different places where people had um, got in touch with Parkrun, knowing that there wasn't a Parkrun in that country, but had had been in touch asking to see if they could start one up. So we went back through all these uh, expressions of interest and we contacted everyone again. And, um, it came down to really two countries, Spain and the Netherlands, where the interest was really, really strong. And the Netherlands was strongest of all. So um, we we had a discussion and and we came to the conclusion that we were we were gonna we were gonna plan to launch in in the Netherlands next. So um, so yeah, we we then went over in I think we went over in I think it was probably August September last year was probably the first time we went over. Um, uh, and got in touch and, and met up with some of the the people and the groups of people in in the cities in the Netherlands that that had been in touch with us and uh, and met them and had a look at courses and talked to them about Parkrun and um, we could see that there was a there really was a great interest on the ground and some some really really good people and some lovely parks and and other locations for for events over there 
Um, and so it went from there. And and uh, yeah, that was not not really so long ago. I mean, we're talking, I guess, six, seven, six, seven months ago from the initial contact. And now and now on Saturday, we launch our first event. Explain to us about the decision. So obviously, there's been heaps of interest, as you mentioned, it, it was it was the, the top of the list for the most interest. I, I mentioned we're going to launch in style with multiple events in the Netherlands this weekend. Can you give us a little bit of insight into why it was decided not just one event, but multiple? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of reasons, I guess. I mean, um, one of the reasons is is quite simple in the in the sense that a lot of events were ready, um, uh, so so it wasn't that we just had interest in one or two places and we needed to build on that. We really had a lot of interest from a number of places, um, and also there was you know there was some experience in those teams as well um, because the Netherlands is so is so uh, is so close particularly to the UK, you know, we had quite a lot of um, Dutch people who had been living in the in the UK who had who had now come back to the Netherlands and really wanted to get involved and also expats from the UK living in the Netherlands. So it's a, it's been a, like a nice blend of of those people who are often, you know, the the early adapters and the people who want to get the, the, the uh, initial events going. Um, and then really the other reason as well is that like I said, because of its proximity to the UK, we we you know we were a little bit concerned if we just had, for example, one event starting in Amsterdam that it could easily get overwhelmed on the first day. So we think that as well, spreading spreading the load a little bit and and launching in in multiple locations probably means that we we will um, well hopefully we won't get one event which is you know inundated with with hundreds and hundreds of people um we'll, we'll we'll have to see obviously how it turns out but i know um, you know the size of, in, of inaugural events in the uk and i know increasingly in australia is 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 often you know it's it's becoming tough for, for new new teams to cope with sometimes four five six hundred people so um so we wanted to, to avoid that scenario as well makes perfect sense how how difficult though does it make your decision about where to park run on saturday <laughs> yeah, well, luckily we've got a couple of people joining us. So we've, um, I'm, I'm going to the north of the country on Saturday. So I'm going to uh, Groningen, a town in the north. It's called Stats Park Park Run. So it's city city park park run, you could you could say. Um, but then we've also got. I I work very closely with um, James Kemp, who's the um, the the global. A manager or assistant for for um for uh parkland global and and he is on his way to a place called nijmegen and then we've got jacob who looks um helps to look after poland and, and germany and he's on his way to maastricht and then we've got a couple of other people who are attending the the other events as well so we're trying to get sort of a little bit of experience at all the events um across the country because it's uh the it's a small country to be honest although although we are right at the north and right at the south it's still probably only three or four hours from um from maastricht right in the south to growing in the north so it's uh it's fairly easy to to get around it's it's a very exciting time for the whole parkrun population i think that a new country is coming on board <laughs> and, it is it is and as you mentioned it has been a very fast turnaround time I'm assuming, therefore, you haven't really come up against any particular challenges with launching a new country, launching Netherlands specifically. Yeah, I mean, the one sort of question mark you maybe always have is um, how it's going to go with in terms of permissions, and um, we've been really sort of pleasantly surprised how it's gone with with um, in terms of getting permission in the Netherlands. The um, the landowners, which has mainly been the local authorities, have been really, really positive. They've, they've, um, you know, seen it as seen. They've seemed to understood Parkrun for what it is and think it's a, a really nice initiative. And there's very much the, um, you know, the attitude that you're, you're just a free activity in a park. So sort of like you're, you know, away you go basically. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's always the, the slight, you know nervousness that, that it could prove to be really difficult to get permissions in some places. Um, it took a little bit of time in, in Amsterdam and a little bit of time in, in um, 
Den Haag, um, The Hague, which uh, we haven't announced the launch date for, for, for The Hague. That's going to be a little bit later. But, uh, but generally, no, it's been, it's been pretty, been pretty smooth. Um, yeah, some of the, some of the teams have got, got really, really big groups of people involved. Um, you know, the cities are of a, of a really nice size when you think of places like Eindhoven or Utrecht or Rotterdam and Nijmegen. They're, they're, uh, I don't know the exact populations, but I'm guessing sort of maybe, you know, 200, 300,000, some of these places. And that's, um, it's a really nice, um, size to get, uh, to get a good group of people involved from, from the start to get the, the park run up and running. Absolutely. And so starting with a bang, yeah, but I'm assuming <laughs> there's a lot more interest for other areas going forward. What, what do you anticipate is going to be the rollout of park run across the Netherlands into the future? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting. So we've got these, Six events in the first week, and then two the week after, um, and then we do have a few more ready to start. With, with um, the dates haven't been released yet, and then yeah, then we've got um, we've got a bunch more interest. I mean, I think what's going to be interesting now is that um, already since we've since we've um, announced. You know, since the website's gone live, and since we've announced the initial dates, we've we've already seen that that's generated um, quite a few more new requests. I think before then it was it it had been a little bit quiet because I think the next phase is really going to be people um, actually, you know, taking part in the events and and seeing what Parkrun is up close, and then wanting to. Get involved and bring Parkrun back to you know where wherever they live. So I think I mean that's going to be really interesting to see how that how that works. Um, there's you know there's a there's a whole bunch of small to me- medium sized towns um, across the Netherlands where um, I think it's going to be you know real real good opportunities to to get events started. But I think you know I think it could take a little bit of time. I think you always need a critical mass of people in those in those smaller communities and until they've until they've heard about Parkrun and maybe gone to the one in the in the neighboring town um it's uh you know maybe it takes a little bit of time before we before we get an event in those in those smaller communities but uh but but, but yeah and it's it it's it feels it feels really good i mean um uh, i was looking the netherlands is a you know a, a country of i think it's about 18 million people in and um so there's 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 heaps of potential. There's some really good parks and um, you know lakes and canals and waterways and and it's some really really lovely places to run and, and very flat. Of course, it's hard to find a hill. That's that's always a bonus for a lot of participants. Yeah. What's the running culture like in the Netherlands? Have they got an existing big? sort of running culture and and are they very outdoorsy type people yeah um there is a a strong running culture there there's there's a sort of um yeah there is an existing infrastructure of running clubs traditional running clubs um i think they are very outdoorsy as well it feels it feels like um yeah they're very it's very it's it's a beautiful country it's very um Feels very prosperous and and lots of open space. Um, I mean, it is densely populated, but you don't really you don't necessarily feel feel that it's just urban. You know, there's a lot of um, there is a lot of green space, um, and it's m- massive for for cycling. Um, I think that's probably what it's best known uh, known for um, in terms of sort of urban infrastructure. That, that there's just bikes everywhere. <clears throat> and bikes have priority in the Netherlands. It's very, it's um, it's very interesting. But, you know, we and that's something we really need to build in and consider when we're when we're planning our events because um, uh, essentially there are there are bike paths everywhere and people um and yeah, if you're a pedestrian in a bike, then the bike has precedence. So we have to be very careful when we're planning our routes. You know, if you're 
if you're crossing a bike path and that's sort of a major consideration and you're you know you need to be really really careful at a point like that so we, we're trying to avoid that wherever possible um i mean it's great for if you're in if you're on in one of the cities just the you know the number of people that are on bikes and, and cycling it's it's fantastic presumably that's something that's really ingrained in the local population anyway the you know the rule that you give way to the bikes and things so in the circumstances where they might may, may come across some on on the public paths and things like that it shouldn't cause too much of a problem you would hope yeah i think locals are pretty tuned into it um and they're pretty switched on for bikes i think we are cognizant that there could be other people if tourists come or other people who aren't so switched on um that that it could cause it could cause issues so we we've also got like normally we have um in the events i've been involved with we normally just have caution runners signs as in signs for bikes and other people to alert them that there are runners in the park um we've now also got caution bike signs so to alert the runners that there could be bikes so i think um with yeah in a couple of places i mean in, in most of the events it, it, it won't be an issue i know there's a couple of events where you know there's there's a couple of spots where we're definitely going to need some signs in a marshal just to make sure there's no there's no collisions but i think you know as long as the as long as the uh the visibility you know the visibility is good and you're not really you're not really crossing a bike path which is also on a blind corner then you know then we're hoping that it's it should it should it should be okay and we'll you know we're doing what we need to do to make sure that that we're, we're keeping events safe so what we really need all the adventurers and tourists to know is be aware that if you're going to park run in the netherlands that the bikes have right of way and don't mess it up for the locals everyone <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Good advice. And I anticipate this is also factored in when designing courses and looking for locations that there's plenty of bike parking at the start finish area or the meeting area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, um, yeah, people are, people are on their bikes the whole time. And, you know, a lot of events, people have said to us, yeah, everyone's just going to come by bike. Um, so, um, it's really cool. It's it's great. It's great to see. I mean, it does help that the country is so flat, and that makes it easy to to get around. Um, but a lot of people as well have um, I don't know what you call them, what you would call them in Australia, but the sort of we call them sit sit up and beg handlebars. You know, the sort of you're just sitting up, um, sitting up on the bike. So they're not like races or anything. They're very they're very just sort of getting about. Cruisers, we call them. Cruisers cruisers yeah okay yeah those kind of bikes you know some people are just you just cruise around just cruising around yeah no, exactly i knew you'd have a good word for it um yeah well you know yeah. we're very laid back over here so we're very cruisy <laughs> very cruisy yeah they've all got those kind of bikes um interestingly they don't really wear helmets which is which is quite interesting um so if you're in amsterdam for example you see thousands of people on bikes but hardly anyone wearing a cycle helmet they they um they main, mainly ride on these cruises and just sort of, yeah, cruising around town with, with no cycle helmets, which is strange to see coming from a culture where, you know, it's sort of ingrained that you need to wear a cycle helmet, but um, but uh, they, don't, they don't usually yeah. do it. I guess, I mean, they give me the impression as a country, and this is a massive generalisation, of just being really sort of a calm and happy people and therefore, you know, everyone has space and, and I don't expect there would be a lot of road slash bike rage happening over there. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't seem to be. I haven't seen it's all it all seemed quite cordial. Um I guess time will tell, but it seems it seems like they're it seems like yeah, like you say, they're pretty pretty chilled out nation. Well that's good to hear. I, I can't wait to get over. I have no immediate plans, but it's it's definitely on the list to do. Absolutely. Now, Derry, I would actually like to find out a little bit more about your personal parkrun story because I did do a little bit of a Google of your results and <laughs> noticed that your very first parkrun was way back in 2008. You did the last one of the year. Yeah. And then you didn't come back for four years <laughs> to parkrun. What what happened there? I'd already moved to Sweden, so I'd, um, I'd run – I'd gone back to visit my – family live in south wales so i i'm it's sort of lost in the midst of time when i actually how i actually 
on to um, I went on to Cardiff, which of course is now a really massive event, but back then was was um, in its infancy. I think it had been going for maybe six months, so it was quite a yeah, it was quite a small a small event. I think I think there was about 30, 30 35 runners that day, um, and very much very much a running event at that point. You know, I think I think the majority of people finished under 21, 22 minutes. Um, so it was like really, really quick as well. So, I mean, it was park run, but in a slightly, in its old form, I guess you could say. So um, I, I just remember thinking it was a fantastic thing and a fantastic event. And, and I think, um, was it four years until I ran my next one? Yeah, 2008 until 2012. And you went back to Cardiff. Yeah. But, okay, it was three and a half years because it was it was the summertime when you went back. It was okay. July. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting it was so long because, I mean, I remember, like, running running a couple of times when I would go back to the UK. Um, and then, but I was, I'd, I'd moved to Sweden already by 2005. So this was all when I was just sort of going back and, and seeing seeing the family um over christmas or a, or a different holiday um yep yeah well it was another 3 years after that before you visited barry island <laughs> <laughs> so you were a slow starter we'll say not your fault because you're in a in a country that didn't have parkrun i think i'd already because con- i contacted um i contacted hq in the sort of spring of 2015 it would have been to um to ask them about about, uh, about whether there was parkrun in Sweden and would they like to start it up there? And if, if they did want to do that, then I'd love to be involved. So that was, so, um, so yeah, I, had, I hadn't run much parkrun by then. But this, so this was the, um, how shall we say, the, the seeds being sown for parkrun in Sweden then? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I mean, I loved, I loved what I, scene of parkrun and and then you know and and i under, i under, understood how obviously how it, how it worked and everything and i'd been i'd been then sort of involved with doing uh in the sort of running scene or industry over in sweden i've been working for a company where we we did sort of training with, um training with companies so training people's staff um and going out and doing some running coaching um so i got to know quite a lot of people in the sort of running world and and uh and and felt that um yeah felt that parkrun would be a fantastic addition to sort of what existed in in sweden a little bit like Orson and hewitt's original motivation thinking that events cost an awful lot of money in sweden um and they really need to do that and and wouldn't it be great to have um you know something like parkrun which is free and accessible and inclusive and everything and and um so yeah that was that was that was how it how it how it started and you've done a lot of volunteering since you got involved yeah and it has kind of impacted your uh i guess progress through the traditional milestone clubs you're on 49 park runs at the moment (laughs) so are you actually going to be volunteering or will you participate and and clock up that number 50 this weekend in the Netherlands yeah I'm saving my 50 I've sort of saved my 50 to I sort of feel I need to do it back in um what has become my home events where I'm still the OED at, at Harger in Stockholm so I'm sort of uh I'm, I'm saving my 50th I think so I'll probably help out at the weekend um tempted though I am I'll be running the course on on the Friday nights in in Groningen and uh um, but I'll probably I'll probably be helping around the finish. I'd imagine um, they look like they've got quite a lot of um, they're closing in on two hundred registrations already. So um, with four or five days to go, so they're probably likely to be closer to to fifty three hundred. I would imagine, which which sort of suggests that they could easily be over one hundred and fifty at their first event. We'll we'll see what the weather turns out and stuff. Um, so they could get a fairly decent turnout at the first event. So I think, um, I think, uh, I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll manage wonderfully, but it'll be, it'll be, it'll be useful to be around as well. Just, uh, just, uh, give them a bit of, give them a bit of a hand too. I'm sure they'll appreciate your help. 
Now, you are also quite the adventurer. In in those 49 events that you've got against your name, you've travelled a bit here, there and everywhere, and we were lucky enough to have you participate in Australia over the summer down this way just recently. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of or, or any of the highlights of your adventures? It doesn't have to be in Australia. It could be any of the countries you visited. Oh, well, Australia's fresh in the mind. So, um, yeah, I made the most of my... Uh, opportunities to, to do as many park runs as I could. So my wife's uncle lives in, in Gympie. So I managed to do the, I think, the two hardest park runs in Australia, at least it felt like it. I'd, at the time, yeah. Yeah, as a, as a, the as a tougher ones. We've had, oh my God. yes, we've had one launch in WA, which has taken the crown from Nambour Park Run. No, really? Oh, no. Yeah. So you're just going to have to come back oh, <laughs> and no. see how it compares. Namba, Namba was was brutal. Um, I ran Namba on Christmas Day, which was wonderful. Um, it was very dry there, obviously, um, at, at the time. Um, so there was there was no creek at the bottom to, to speak of, but it was uh, obviously just massively, massively tough and hilly. And then I ran around Vic, Victory Heights, um, which was again really tough um i ran that when did i run that just before christmas um and then we had then um then i ran ballina ballina coast is it yeah because i think there's one in ireland as well ballina anyway that was a lo- yeah ballina coast yeah, that was a lovely event i ran we ran that as a family all together that day and um so i ran with uh, with leo my son who's nine and uh yeah really really enjoyed that lovely run um and then i did the new year's day double in sydney so we'd we'd uh we'd come back to sydney by then so um uh yeah look, looked up what was closest and i, I ran um roads and, and Parramatta there um again both both sort of really really nice courses and and a, and a sort of healthy turnout on on new year's day um uh, and then we fu- we finished up with um, Singapore and the New Year, which obviously the events aren't aren't, aren't operating at the moment. So um, it was just just before just before the the, the coronavirus struck, really. Um, so we ran uh, East Coast Park there again with the family, which was pretty tough going for the kids in the in the morning heat there. Yeah, the mugginess. It's the mugginess. Yeah. My daughter was 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 uh, was was uh, finding it tough, but she was she was uh, she she kept going the whole way. She did really well actually. Yeah, so, good on uh, it. So that was good. Yeah, yeah. So I fitted in six park runs in my in my little trip. So um, or big trip really. So it was um, it was fantastic, and it was obviously you know it was uh, it was it was strange times in Australia with with all the fires and and um, which we saw, and it was you know incredibly incredibly dry at the time but uh yeah we got a we got a warm welcome at all our, all the events and um and it was great to be able to as always you know try out some some different courses in different places no doubt the weather was yeah as you say a, a stark contrast to the kind of weather that you would have been having back home at the same time yeah yeah i mean it's it's sort of a very nice time to go away it's it's very it's very dark. I mean, it's getting lighter here now. Um, we're actually having an incredibly mild winter in Sweden, so there's no snow on the ground here at, at all at the moment, and that's pretty unusual for, for this time of year. Um, so it's um, so it's been it's been mild, but it was yeah, it it's still it's still not warm. Derry, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week and sharing your adventures and all of the behind the scenes excitement in the lead up to Netherlands launching this weekend. Will there be any leaps happening in the Netherlands on Saturday, the 29th of February? I'm not sure. We'll, uh, it's, it's a funny day to be launching on the leap year. Um, so, uh, was this intentional so they'd only have an anniversary every four years and save up on cake? <laughs> exactly. It's all been it's all been carefully planned. Carefully planned. Yeah. The next one's what's the next leap year supposed to be? Or the next time Saturday falls on the leap year is twenty forty eight. So everyone's got twenty eight years. Twenty forty eight, there you go. Yeah, no, I wish I wish I could say it was it was it was carefully planned, but it was more um we wanted to get started sort of as soon as we felt that we were sort of probably turning the corner from uh, potentially snowy, icy weather. So uh, 
fingers crossed we're going to avoid that at the weekend. It looks like it's going to be, I'm not sure we're going to get a fantastic sunny day, but it looks like it's going to be uh, plus degrees anyway, which is probably, probably the biggest thing that we um, that we, need to, we need to worry about. We've had some really bad storms in in Europe the last few weeks. So the UK have been, well, and and the Nordic countries were, were battered um, on the weekend and and sort of previous weekends as well so uh hopefully there's not too much of a storm in the netherlands either so we get some we get some decent weather for for the first event fingers crossed for something yeah more more appropriate park run day weather this weekend yeah best of luck thanks so much and have an amazing time thanks a lot mel thanks Well, what it was great to hear from uh, from Derry about uh, what's happening in the in the Netherlands. Um, six park runs in one day. That's um, that's certainly going to be a, a massive undertaking for them, and uh, certainly wish them all the best of luck for this uh, this weekend. And uh, looking forward to hearing uh, some stories coming out of the Netherlands. I hear you are going on a little bit of a trip over to Europe later in the year, Mark. Are you planning on hitting the Netherlands up for a park run or two? Oh, you know what? The timing of their announcement of launching the Netherlands couldn't have come at a worse time. We pretty much had locked in our itinerary and it was like a week or two later that they're like, we're going to launch the Netherlands. And I've I've looked at that itinerary left, right, centre, every way to try and see if we can make it work. But unfortunately, just it would mean us having to backtrack um, into the Netherlands uh, to be able to tick off that country. Um, so unfortunately, it may just leave us having to try and do a freedom run or two while we're in uh, uh, in the Netherlands around Amsterdam. Um, so yeah, but maybe that's a good reason for us to head back to to Europe one day to uh, tick off that country. Yeah, well, we're all we're always all of us looking for another excuse to go to Europe, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm assuming then, I don't know how long you're going to be away for, but you will be ticking off a couple of parkrun countries while you're away? Yeah, look, so we'll um, we'll be passing through um, Singapore on the way there. And so, of course, we've structured our arrival and departure times in Singapore to um, tick off um, East Coast there, which will be good because it'll give us an E as well as the East for Compass. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be ticking off um, Germany. We I did purposefully uh, alter my, our itinerary to dip into uh, Italy to be able to get um, get a park run in on park run day while we're traversing that area. So we'll be going to Italy um, and France and um, yeah, back into uh, Germany and t- ticking off quite a few into um, in Germany. Four new countries, but more park runs than that. That is an excellent use of your time in Europe, Mark. Yeah, no, look, we're, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, you know, that's the beauty, I suppose, about parkrun is that, you know, hey, it works the, every, the same way everywhere. Um, so we're, I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we'll, of course, be putting in a few uh, parkrun adventure roving reports while we're there. Um, there is just one Saturday while we're away that, unfortunately, we don't get a parkrun in. We'll be in uh, Belgium at the time um, where there's no parkruns there yet. Um, but uh, so yeah, that's the one Saturday we will miss out on. Uh, but yeah, we'll never know. So where do you reckon that we'll see Parkrun next in Europe? <laughs> well, I think Derry might have given us a little bit of a tip off there in his interview. My money would be on Spain, and oh my goodness, would I be so excited if that was to happen? Mm. So we're racking up the excuses to go to Europe now, aren't we? Yes, yes, we really are. I would, yeah. I, like I said, I don't, I don't really need excuses, but these are all very, very strong motivating factors to get over that way. And I just have to keep my eyes on my purse and save up the pennies and hopefully not too long until there's a bit of a European adventure in my future as well. So in other overseas news, uh, we have been, of course, um, talking on the Parkrun Adventurers around cancellations and funny reasons for cancellations. I'm not sure this is a funny reason though, but it's it's certainly an obscure reason. Did you see this one from um, South Africa? The one about Westernaria or, oh, um, you know, um, look, I got I got pasty, pasty, pasty wrong. Westernaria, bring it on people. 
Let me know how you pronounce Western Aria. Geez, I set that up well, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. You completely avoided the word altogether. Uh, yes, but that is the name of the event, which was cancelled. And I'll let you tell everyone why it was cancelled. Well, there may have been a few PBs on the course if they had have gone ahead, but there was lines on the course. That's pretty special. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's quite a funny reason. And look, I don't think the World Pasty Championships is a funny reason either, but it's not funny haha so much as it's unordinary. It's extraordinary. Uh, maybe it, maybe Lions being on the course at Western Aria is not extraordinary. Maybe that just, you know, happens all the time and it's, well, no, if it happens all the time, you wouldn't think they've cancelled. Maybe Maybe the Lions would get used to the... Well, maybe the Lions are on the course because they want to catch some runners. Maybe. And uh, it certainly would have been uh, rough to be the tail walker uh, that week. You know, maybe the, the last person standing. <laughs> or not, as the case may be. Or not. Yes. Look, mm. if, there's a, if there's an understandable reason for cancelling, uh, I reckon I would be on board with that. I'm quite happy for an event team to cancel if there are lines. And, of course, there were baboons running around in Sydney this week. There was. Presumably got, you know, escaped from a zoo or something like that, not just the normal kinds of baboons that can get around in Sydney. But, yeah. <laughs> also another reason, I think, <laughs> the legitimate reason wild animals that could cause harm is a good reason to cancel an event. So good call, event team. Yep. Have you got any unusual adventures planned for the not-too-distant future then, Mark? Now that everything's business as usual again, following all the smoke haze cancellations that you guys had in the ACT? Uh, so we will be heading to um, Bateman's Bay in a couple of weeks for our annual trip down there for camping. And um, we also, in a couple of weeks, will be returning um, back to Braidwood. We're there a couple of weeks ago after they reopened um, after 10 weeks of cancellations due to the, the fires that were impacting their area. So there's a group of us from um, Gungarland Park Run and Wagyu Bridge Park Run that have offered to actually do a takeover of their volunteer positions um, in a couple of weeks to basically let them run their own park run. Um, you know, they've got small numbers out there and uh, there's a core group out there that uh, are regularly, you know, having to, to support their park run by volunteering. So we thought we'd uh, take over and let them have a run at their own park run in a couple of weeks. Oh, that'll be special. I love it when takeovers happen. I've never actually been part of a takeover before. I think I need to get in on that action. I should organise one. Yeah, it's the first time I've heard of it, you know, going this way where like another event's taken over somebody else's event. Like we've, at Gungarland, we regularly would have, you know, kids take over the volunteer positions, which always goes really well. But um you know, I think this is um, this is yeah something nice we can we can give to our you know Braidwood friends. Um, you know, Kelly, there's a uh, an amazing um, event director. Like I've, I haven't met anybody as as, as friendly as, as as her. She always remembers me when I go out there and uh, che cheers me along. That's um which is really nice. And uh, when I was there a couple of weeks ago, she actually hit her 50 milestone. Um, but yeah, this will allow her to, yeah, like say, get out there and actually run, run her own course, which I don't think she gets to do very often. Sounds awesome. I think it's been, it's been a long time between adventures, as in challenges that we've thrown out to our adventurers. Perhaps this could be an appropriate time to bring it back and we should challenge everyone to organise, just even if it's just one this year, organise a takeover at an event someplace with a group of other adventurers and tell them we sent you. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, thank you for joining me on the pod again this week, Mark. It has been fun having you. Will we have the pleasure of your presence at Palm 20? No, nah, so unfortunately that is the weekend that we have our annual camping trip down to um, the south coast where, again, has been uh, impacted by bushfires. Um, so we'll be down there camping and taking an empty esky down um, and you know, it will be at um, Bateman's Bay Park Run but yeah look uh, unfortunately can't be there for um, for Palm this year but uh, wish you all lots of fun and uh, enjoy those uh, dress up night and all those freedom runs you're going to get in. We definitely will and if there's a good reason to miss a Palm 20 having an adventure to support another community is definitely a good one. 
Thanks and have a great time. Thank you. And that's it for another week on the pod. We're going to be taking a break next week in the lead up to Palm 20 as travels and other pre-pod organisational stuff for a live recording all gets planned and put into place. Also, I'm having a couple of days in the Barossa before Palm. So, you know, priorities, people. Hopefully that just means you're all very, very hungry for the next episode when it comes to you recorded live from Mount Barker Park Run. Looking forward to sharing that one with you when it happens. In the meantime, happy adventures. Happy adventures.